put in the right structure that works with human behavior, it allows a human being on the other end of that phone or a Zoom meet or in person to want to engage with you, to want to open up to you. Selling becomes very easy. This is The Playbook. Welcome to Blue Wire Studios. This is David Meltzer with The Playbook here at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. I'm so stoked right now because I have Jeremy Miner, founder and chairman of The Seventh Level. And Jeremy is an expert on my favorite topic. And I mentioned earlier to you, it's a topic of articulating value mm. to exceed what we're asking for. Mm-hmm. I think people lose sight in sales mm. about what your main objective is, and it's to provide more value than you ask for, mm. and your statistical success can go way up. Now, mm. there's a bunch of different steps sure. within that process, and yeah. you're an expert at not only doing it yourself, but something rare about a guy that can do it himself. And I see this all the time. You can teach other people to do it as well. That's the rumor. Yeah. There's a, there's a nasty room out there that could be a possibility, yeah. And, you know, I ran a very large sales force in my 20s, and I would always make the mistake that I'd take my top sales guy uh-huh. and I'd turn him into a manager because he mm. thought he wanted that stability. Yeah. He was tired of the comp plan. Yeah. And uh, I'd end up with a really bad manager and losing my best sales guy. I mean, in sales, like if you're a sales professional and you understand how to, how to use – human behavior in your sales process, stability is straight commission because you can make the most amount of money. There's really no stability in a salary. Like, how do you have a stability in a salary? Like, if you're really, really great at sales, the true stability is 100% commission. And what stands in people's way? Uh, because I've seen some great salespeople yeah. that don't have that confidence. That, you know, I have more confidence in some of my salespeople that they should be on 100% commission, mm. and yet they don't have it in themselves. What do you think stands in the way to, to, to that belief internally? I, I think there's a lot of things. Uh, what just came to my mind when you brought up that question is I, I believe that a lot of salespeople have, you know, they have great months and then they have down months, and they have great months and then down months. When we train salespeople, like even our own internal salespeople, we want them constantly going like this, not up and down, up and down. And there's a reason why, and it's typically, it comes down to, I see so many people that say, you know, to be successful in selling, you've gotta, you've gotta meditate, you've gotta journal, you've gotta, you've gotta read this personal development growth book. And I'm like, that's so awesome. But when your prospect answers the phone and you don't know what to say, or more importantly, ask, and you don't understand what triggers you know, human behavior, either to go to fight or flight mode or for them to become curious enough to want to engage, well, all that personal development, all that journaling, all that meditation slaps you in the face because none of it's going to help you close the deal. So I think you have to learn the right questions. You have to learn the right questions to ask. You have to have a structure. I see so many salespeople and they just wing it. It's like one, one call, they're saying this, the next call, they're saying that. And it's like they're trying to talk their, their way into a sale and there's, not, there's no structure there, so there's no stability. So when you, you put in the right structure, you put in the right structure that works with human behavior, it allows a human being on the other end of that phone or a Zoom meet or in person to want to engage with you, to want to open up to you. Selling becomes very easy. It becomes very profitable. And the best thing is you get to help a lot of people solve their problems. Because if they don't buy from you, you can't really solve their problems. I love it. And you mentioned prospecting, which is, to me, statistically, the key to successfully selling at any stage, beginning, mid, intermediate, or advanced stage of selling. Because the more people that you have to start with, mm. 
even if you're not as good as someone else, if uh-huh. you have a lot more people in the top of your funnel, you're going to be a better statistical sure. salesperson with maybe even higher sales uh, just from the numbers. But I have found over all the years of being a sales professional myself, yeah. there's two schools. Mm. And my own belief has changed in my sales process. The first school uh-huh. is old school. Yeah. And that school was... What's old school to old, you? Old school to me is find the avatar. Okay. I'm looking for a middle-aged white guy that's handsome that should be a news anchor, but he's a sales <laughs> professional in a okay. black shirt and gray pants or whatever it is. Sure. And then what happens is I spend all my efforts trying to find that exact person mm. who I know is the lowest hanging fruit. Okay. And then the, the, the easy sale. Yeah. And the lay down. The lay down, right? And then I've really transitioned to help people mm-hmm. learn to find simply one thing, especially mm-hmm. because of the connectivity we have today mm-hmm. and the communication tools we have today. Sure. All you really need to do is find an open mind and learn mm-hmm. to ask the right questions of yeah. an open mind yeah. to see if they're a power sponsor or a sponsor of yours. Yeah. Meaning, can they, do they know someone that can help you yeah. or can they help you themselves? Yeah. And statistically, yeah. the numbers get extraordinary. Where has your, because mm-hmm. you've been selling a long time and successfully selling. Sure. Sure. I'm sure you have an old school and a new school uh, thought because of the technology and mm. the change that has occurred in sales. Or maybe you don't. Maybe it's Zig Ziglar all the way. And you're, you're I'm not. You know, I, I love Zig Ziglar. I think his motivational stuff is great. Uh, I, I love a, a lot of the kind of the, you know, sales people, sales trainers that maybe sold in the 60s or 70s or 80s. Dennis Waitley's. And the, the, the only issue is, is we live in a new age. Like we live in the information age, okay? Because of the power of the internet, especially social media, your prospects know, uh, they, they know that, you know, that they can get the same product or service that you offer from a lot of people, okay? Now, 20 plus years ago, before the internet and social media, they really didn't know that. What was the bridge between the the, the company and the consumer, it was really the salesperson. So people, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they expected to be educated about what you do. Now nobody really cares, okay? So I think so many salespeople are so focused on, they have this, you know, even, you know, you have a lot of entrepreneurs watching this show. So a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of salespeople, they think that, that because they have a great product or service, that they can just flip a switch and just everybody's going to magically buy because they've had the best customer service and they have the, the AAA rating with the Better Business Bureau and they've got all these service awards from their industry. Nobody cares, okay? Nobody really cares. So I'm more focused on, you know, what questions do I need to ask? How do I ask those questions? How do I ask them where the prospect wants to gauge? I think one thing that a lot of salespeople, even entrepreneurs that want to train salespeople, is they don't understand. My background is behavioral science. I'm like the nerd, right? So that's what I went to college for, behavioral science, human psychology. So in in human behavior, the way our brain works is anytime you have any type of sales interaction, whether it's on the phone, on a cold call, whether you're on Zoom, an inbound lead, or an outbound lead you're calling, or if you're in a boardroom unit, it doesn't matter. Your, pros- your prospects, subconsciously, they cannot even help it. It's just the way our brain is wired. is picking up on your verbal and your nonverbal cues based on your tonality and your body language, and especially what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways, okay? And I see this is one big mistake that salespeople and entrepreneurs have is they come across like so excited about their product and service that somehow, like Zig, you, hey, the more excited you are, like, the prospect is going to magically be excited. We, okay, that might have been true in 1975, but not necessarily in our day, right? So when that happens, when we get on that phone call, that first seven to 12 seconds, that prospect is internalizing what's going on. Like very quickly, you know, when you get a sales call, you're like, your, your mind's rolling, right? Like what's going on? So one of, the, one of two things happen. 
when we get on that call, we make that call, what's going on in their mind is this. So they get into, they start internalizing it, and basically, um, I lost my train of thought, but basically with, uh, when, they, when they get on that phone, they answer the phone, they're like, hey, you know, my name is, I'm with XYZ Company, what we do is, and typically their, their brain is going to react in one of two ways. Now, if you come across nervous, you come across needy, you come across, especially like even aggressive or attached, that's the key word. If you come across attached, you like, you need that sale. It typically with most prospects triggers what we call fight or flight mode. Okay. Where they go, they say things like, Hey, just, you know, get to the point. Like, what's this all about? Or how much is this going to cost me? Or, you know, we already have that, or we don't need that. Uh, you know, can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? You know, how many of you, if you've ever sold have heard that before? Okay. That's because we triggered that by what we said or by not asking the right questions. Now, if we do know the right questions, and if we come across more collective, if we come across more neutral, you know, we're not quite sure if we can even help you yet, right? Because we don't know. We don't know anything about them. And we come across, the most important word there is we come across detached. So we're detached, okay? The prospect, and we know the right questions, the prospect is, like, their brain is triggered, and it's almost like it forces them to want to engage. Like, they, they become curious enough that they want to open up to you because they feel like you might have something to offer to them, okay? So we have to do that. So I love Zig. I love the personal motivation and everything. I think it has a place. But as far as like the way the prospect reacts to like old school sales techniques in our day, it'd be very hard to be ex exceptionally successful using those type of techniques for sure. And with your technique, which is so statistically successful, it has a lot to do with understanding resistance, resistance yeah. in decision-making, resistance mm -hmm. in objections. Yeah. Um, and when we understand not only through what we articulate factually, yeah. Yeah. but you talked about body language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can tell by the name of the company, Seventh Level, sure. that people may sense an energy mm -hmm. in that resistance. Yeah. What type of things you help people with in kind of that yeah. unconscious realm of sure. understanding objections and stalling of, de of decision making, all, all the critical yeah. things that you teach to help people make more money? Well, I'm going to shock people when I say this. I, you know, when I come to events, they're like, oh, don't say that. And I always, and I always, I always say, then you look, say it. <laughs> look, you got to stop following the ABCs of closing, like stop the madness. Like that was written like a hundred billion years ago. Now in our day and age, we follow the ABDs of selling. Always be disarming. We're continually in that sales process. We have to learn the right questions that continually disarm the prospect where they take the, what happens in a sales call that goes wrong? The wall of resistance comes up, right? So we trigger by certain words that we say or things that we say, or questions that we don't ask, it triggers resistance, and the wall comes up quickly, they give objections, then we have to throw out rebuttals, then we start chasing them. It's like, stop pounding your head against the wall. It doesn't have to be hard. So what we wanna do is we wanna continually disarm the prospect throughout that sales conversation, especially in the beginning. You know, We teach what are called connecting questions when we start out that call or interaction, where we're taking the focus off of us and we're putting it on them, okay? So we're talking about connecting questions. In the next stage, we talk about situation questions. How do we find out what the prospect's real situation is? And more importantly than us finding out, how do we help them find out what their real situation is, okay? Then we talk about problem awareness questions. It's all structured, right? How do we help the prospect find the problem that maybe they didn't even think they had? And I think one thing that most people don't understand is that most of your prospects, when you first start talking to them, don't even realize they have a problem. Or maybe they like, hey, I, I think I have this problem, 
but they don't know how bad the problem really is, right? Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything about solving the problem, right? So our, our problem awareness questions allow that prospect to see what their real problems are, okay? How many problems they actually have, and really the root cause, like what's actually causing the problem. See, you see, average salespeople can find out a problem of a prospect. Really, really good salespeople can also find out the root cause of the problem, like what's causing it. But the very greatest of salespeople, like ever, the legends, are not only able to help them find those two things, but they're also help the prospect to internalize and feel and relive the pain of what the problem is doing to them. And when they relive that pain, the prospect moves on that urgency, and they move on that urgency because they view you as more of the expert, right? The, the let's say, the trusted authority who's going to get them the results that they want. So all selling is, you want to follow the A, B, Ds, always be disarming so the prospect opens up to you and tells you what's really going on. Makes selling really easy. It determines the open mind. That is genius. But even more important than the A, B, Ds is the NEPQs. Oh, the NEPQs. <laughs> Everybody's like, what does that mean? Exactly. The what does the NEPQs mean? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's my nerdy background. I like to read. So my background, behavioral science, human psychology. So NEPQ stands for neuro-emotional persuasion questioning, okay? So it's about that disarming, okay? So in behavioral science, there's three forms of communication. So you don't le learn this from the, the local book in, in uh, Barnes & Noble, right? So there's three forms of communication. And I think, you know, if, if you're listening to me right now, and, and Dave, write this down, because once you understand the differences in persuasion and where you are now compared to where you could be, it will completely change everything for you. So the first mode of communication, we call that era one type of sales. That's more like boiler room selling. You're kind of talking about that. Like, you know, you, you've seen the movie The Wolf on Wall Street. I'm sure that, you know. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, and I'm sure Jordan is just portrayed <laughs> differently like that. You know, it's Maybe like, not. Maybe not. I don't know. But hey, I've got a great opportunity for you and, you know, wheeling and dealing. Let me see if I can get my manager to give you a deal and everything and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, so one, one of that is, it's just like if you, I'll give you an example, like we're trying to push him, we're trying to like manipulate them, like adversarial, you against the prospect trying to win them over. We want them, we want them to feel like we're collaborating with them. Like true salespeople that make a ton of money and companies that really scale are able to help the prospect feel that they're not, it's you against them trying to make a sale, the commission breath, but it's you working with them and collaborating with them to help them find and solve problems, okay? So going back to the first mode of communication, we're the least persuasive when we tell people things, when we try to push them or dominate them or posh them, posture them. So it's like if you tell your spouse, I met your wife last night at the dinner, uh, if you just like tell her like, hey, you really need to do this and you keep pushing her, what does she do? She pushes back, right? right? That's just human behavior 101. So when we're presenting, you know, we've all been taught you have to give a fancy presentation in the in the 60 page slide decks and all this stuff about the, the offices here and, and look at uh, our customer service awards and we got the best this and the, we got the best that, which by the way, doesn't every salesperson say that their product or service is the very best on the market? How, how many sales, let's just be real. How many salespeople that have ever sold you anything have come to be like, yeah, our product's the fifth best in the marketplace. I hope you buy. <laughs> like nobody says that. So we're used to salespeople saying that. So when we hear that, it actually triggers more distrust. And when we hear a salesperson talking down about their competitors, we actually trust them less because we're used to every single salesperson saying that, okay? So presenting, it's actually in behavioral science, when you look at the numbers, it's actually, you want your presentation most salespeople usually about 50% of the time they're talking, 50% of the time like the presentation, we want to hone that down to about 10%, okay? 
much, much lower, because we're just repeating back what they said they wanted and how we can actually solve that in a presentation. What about telling your story? You know, folks, I hate to tell you, if you're selling one-on-one, -on -one, unless you're selling one-to-many, it's a little bit different. One-to-one, -one, nobody cares about your story. Whose story do they care about? They care about their story, right? What about giving a sales pitch, right? We even have, we even have shirts we give out to some of our clients that say, hashtag ditch the pitch, right? We've got to ditch the pitch, right? You ever go into, you've watched Shark Tank, right? So the, the entrepreneurs, the young budding entrepreneurs come in there and they give their pitch. You ever see the body language of like Damon John and like Mark Cuban and all of them and Barbara, they're just like, oh my God, like it's like, it causes you to cringe. So you got to ditch the pitch. And the big one is assumptive selling. Like everybody's so big on that. Like you got to assume the sale. We, okay, maybe if you sold like $5 uh, magazine subscriptions, but if you're getting into like sales that cost money and like it's thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and there's more risk at stake and you start assuming the sale, I want you to watch how fast your prospect runs the other way from you, okay? That's the first mode. Now, the second mode uh, came out in the 80s uh, with a book called Spin Selling. It's called Consultative Selling. You've heard of that, right? Uh, Neil Rackham, great professor, and he taught that you needed to ask, it was revolutionary at the time, logic, some logical-based questions to find out the needs of the client. How, I mean, we just evolve as, as human beings like very quickly, right? Like, you, you want to ask questions about what I need? Wow, I can't believe nobody thought about that. It's so sad. But I know, right? We look at it, we're like, oh, my gosh. You know, back then, it was revolutionary. Now, that's good. But if we're only asking logical-based questions, we call those surface-level questions. What type of answers is the prospect going to give us back? Surface-level surface answers. They're going to give us logical-based answers. And do human beings make decisions on logic or emotion? Emotion. Everybody knows it. 100% proven now with brain studies. So more persuasive than, you know, boiler room selling, pushing them. But you're starting to play the numbers game because very little emotion is brought out by simply asking logical-based questions. Now, the third mode. This is the cool kids club, you know, the nerdy guys here that make all the, the sales. <laughs> the third mode, we call that you're the most persuasive when you allow others to persuade themselves. How do you do that? You know, that's actually called dialogue, and that's where NEPQ comes in, neuroemotional persuasion questions. How do you allow, how do you get somebody to persuade themselves? Can you just show up and say, hey, Dave, uh, just go ahead and persuade yourself, and, you know, here's my wire details. No, <laughs> you have to learn specific skilled questions, when and how to ask them with the right tone, the right tonality, the right delivery, that allows the prospect to engage and to open up and really go under the surface of what's really going on which triggers them to want to do something and take action about solving the problem that maybe before they started talking to you, they didn't even really know how bad it was. So that's NEPQ in a very brief overview. That's a sales revolution. That's what that is. And Supposedly. I mean, my, my last question has to do uh, with the sales revolution. We talked yeah. about the sales evolution. Yeah. Um, but there is a sales revolution in yeah. utilizing all the things that you teach, all the empowerment things that you do. Sure. Um, you've created a revolution group, salesrevolution.group. What's, yeah. the, what's the purpose well, of creating you know, a we, group? We did that. We've got about 12,000 people in that. We just started a while ago, and it's growing rapidly. We've got hundreds of people that are joining. Um, we, we started the group there because we wanted to have a resource for salespeople. So if, you're, if you've got salespeople that are listening in here, or if you've got coaches that listen to this, or consultants, or you've got entrepreneurs, right? You, I'm sure you have lots of entrepreneurs that follow you, and business owners, and they're looking to take their teams to the next level. They're salespeople, and they're just like, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. Like, how do you get them to continually go up? Uh, they're welcome to join that for free. It's a free resource. You know, we, we, I gave you just a few of the structure of the questions, but... They can go to www.salesrevolution.group, join for free. 
right when they join, uh, there'll be like a two-question survey so we know what industry you're in, what products or services you sell. It just helps us track the data of who we're, who we're training. And right when you join, look for a DM from somebody in our team, and we will uh, message you on Facebook Messenger a free video. I think it's like a free training video on the structure of NEPQ from connecting questions to uh, situa you know, situation of problem awareness all the way to commitment, consequence questions, the whole nine yards. We're going to break it down for you so you can use it tomorrow with what you sell. We even, I think if, you, if you're nice to us in those DMs, <laughs> if you're nice to us, uh, we'll, even, we'll even tag you and we'll, we'll send you over like a free hour training on objection prevention. Like what questions can you ask in your sales conversation that actually prevent the objections from even happening in the first place? It's a bunch of Jedi Yoda stuff from what we've heard. I love it because anyone that's out there trying to help people uh, for free and to yeah. do all that work, provide all that content. Sure. People pay thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. for just that type of documentation yeah. that they can look up. I know from the exercises and guides and sure. the years of Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar and Michael yeah. Bosworth and Spin Selling and yeah. uh, the, the value of what I've seen that mm -hmm. you have in the group yeah. uh, is revolutionary, not yeah. just evolutionary. So yeah. go to salesrevolution.group, check out the expert the emotional expert, not just the technical expert. Jeremy Miner, founder and chairman of 7th Level. Man, I got to go back and transcribe this myself so I can create my own little uh, pocket guide to Jeremy Miner in the sales revolution. No, it's fun. I, I appreciate you having on here. And, you know, the last thing I want everybody to just remember at the end of the day, because everybody always asks me, companies ask me, people at events are like, what's the number one thing about <laughs> sales? Like, what's the number one thing that I need to know? And it's this. All sales is, is change. All selling is about one thing only. It's about change. It's about how good you are at getting your prospect to view in their mind, not by telling them, but by the questions you ask that allow them to tell themselves, that by them changing their situation, right, getting what they want, solving their problems, is, you know, paying for your service, that's what that does, is far less riskier than them doing nothing at all staying in the status quo, their problems stay the same, and nothing ever changes. Which is more risky? So selling is all about change. That's it. I love it. And we know that that is not easy because the only one that I know that likes change is a wet baby. And uh, so you got your, your work cut out for you if you can re-engineer somebody's vision and appreciate that change. Jeremy Weiner, thank you so much for joining me. This is David Meltzer live at Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn, right in the lobby with the playbook.